0: to support this podcast go to positive slash donate any amount is appreciated once again positive sarcasm.com slash donate thank you and enjoy the program almost like it never existed but it fucking did so do me a favor go yourself like subscribe share donate positive sarcasm.com slash donate any amount is appreciated that is one way to support all things ps of course there is the merchware page uh you can go ahead and get your logo on some my logo excuse me on some flip blocks it's it's the people's logo of course no no it's my logo but if you want to get it on some flip flops you're more than welcome to do so there's a merchware page available for you to do exactly that uh of course the best way my most recommended way is, of course, to get yourself some free stocks by signing up for the Weeble app. There's literally no strings attached. You just fund your account, and that will give you a bunch of free stocks. I think they're offering like up to 20 uh, right now with a bunch of fractionals, which is pretty awesome. So you basically just fund your account with a little bit of cash, and you'll get a bunch of stocks in which you can sell or keep. It Really, it's up to you. I'm not a financial advisor, but I advise you to at least use the app because – Unlike Sam Baker and Free, this one's actually pretty legit. So you'll get free stocks by funding your account, and I'll get free stocks by you signing up in the affiliate link in the description down below. So go ahead, feel free to use that. Um, but I thank you. I welcome you to. Uh, I welcome you guys either way. Just by showing up and listening and hearing what I have to say, and maybe doing some investigatin of your own of some of the topics and the articles and the Q and A's that uh, I stumble across uh, effectively once a week. Uh, we t- today we have we're gonna talk about AI a little bit, and then we're gonna go ahead and close up shop with some Q and A. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can go ahead and email me through my website at the contact page, or you can just go ahead and uh, Email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. And of course, you can email me or you can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm um, or you can find me through my Facebook page and uh, any other means possible. No TikTok, of course, and um, no Twitter or excuse me, no X. Uh, I have a bit of a health announcement. Nothing crazy, but it's just more of a, I, you know, I'm doing my best to get some sleep finding that my energy is low and I also find that sometimes it's hard for me to concentrate and I also know that you know many many years ago um, I had very much some type of like adrenal fatigue I guess we'll call it Uh, and it took a long time to kind of get out of that funk and and I don't believe it had anything to do with age or anything like that but I felt that I was just exhausted all the time and there was no amount of caffeine, no amount of pre-workout, no amount of energy drinks nothing could if anything it made me even more tired i felt like i was like i felt like i had a big v8 engine but like there was a vacuum hose uh leak that kind of just took all the power out of the pistons it was just and it just wasn't there so i'd really just feel like i was def- like a deflated balloon so what i did was i essentially kicked all caffeine and all energy based f- stuff to the curb so that I could uh, just basically kind of get down to a basic level and see slowly after a small period of time how my body would start to react to mild amounts of caffeine. And, you know, I was never the same after 2014 as far as like the amount of stuff that I took, natural at least, or at least I thought it was, and I don't know, it just my energy levels weren't there but i was an absolute badass for that six months but after that i was i was never the same physically as far as my intensity to work out and things like that but i'm feeling that again so i'm kind of at least trying to um wean off of heavy amounts of caffeine and uh today was not my best day i mean there was an energy drink there was a you know a a 2 p.m coffee and maybe it just has something to do with the heat because sometimes the heat does get to you. It makes you very, very tired. Um, my recommendation is not to hit, not to go straight for the coffee or the Baja Blasts over at Aroma Joe's, those crushes or rushes. Um, but to go and just take like a cold shower, which I should have probably done before sitting down here and doing this. But I think just talking my way through it might also be beneficial to not only myself but you guys because um, – I want the people I meet in my life to be healthy. I want myself to be healthy and I just, I want um, to have that focus without that being that questionable supplement or drink or anything that could really compromise my health overall. I mean, and you guys know that I am a pill freak. When I mean pills, I mean like omega-3, vitamin C, alpha brain, magnesium, potassium uh you know uh n-acetylcysteine bromelain uh, all that stuff creatine stuff just to really i want to be fueled by food and i want to be fueled by vitamins and i i'm generally sticking to at this point one cup of coffee in the morning and then really nothing in the afternoon i drink seltzer all day or just like water doing my best to kick basically all of that um Those fake sugars out there, like Splenda and Stevia and stuff like that. I'm truly trying to kick that from my diet as well, which I have been doing. And I know that too much of that apparently it 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 has some bad genetic markers, or and other. And I know there's things like aspartame, which are which is apparently terrible for you. Saccharin, which I don't think is illegal anymore. Uh, Sucralose, but that also fucks with your that can also fuck with your Your metabolism as well, and and insulin spikes and stuff like that. And it just, the science isn't completely settled on it. So then again, if it's not in your diet, you're better off without it than you are with it. So these are just some of the things that I wanted to convey to you that, you know, I'm in no way perfect with my health and nutrition, but believe me, um, my discipline on it is stronger than 99% of the population, for sure. I wasn't feeling well for the past couple weeks, and I I didn't know what it was exactly. But then it was like, oh, that's right. It was. It wasn't just the. I mean, the amount of. uh, I mean, mean, obviously, sleep always has something to do with it. Two, the contrast between severe heat outside and the air conditioning inside is also some a a factor that has led to me being ill uh, many times before because. There's something about that chill in the air, and then all of a sudden you go outside and it's extremely hot, and your body that there's no your body doesn't have a way of finding an equilibrium. It's not it's not good. And being in air conditioning at night for some reason just does not. Don't get me wrong, a colder room is good for a person. There's plenty of science around cold situations, whether it's cold shock proteins or a colder room leading to a healthier sleep environment. But I also know that when you have severe chills at night and you're actually just playing cold, that's not healthy for you. That lowers your immune system for significant, uh, significantly. So that was also leading to me having like uh, inflammation in my nasal passages and stuff like that, and having dried out nose. So working with that and doing my best to keep the equilibrium from when I'm in a you know air conditioned room to when I'm going outside and it's 90 degrees out. Um, I'd rather just be in a, in a warmer room or just in a... I'd rather just be in a warmer environment 24-7 or a colder environment 24-7. I don't like mixing the two together. So I'm working on that. Like, I, I feel much better now. I'm working out again. Um, I'm trying to get more sleep and I'm trying to stave off, stave off all that extra you know energy supplements. It's not an easy path. And it's like, well, you know, Jay, you sound all fucked up. It's like, No, well, well, look at you. Look at your fucking cinnamon roll lifestyle. You know, what are you doing to take care of yourself? Whereas I'm actually taking responsibility for these things. I haven't touched, let's see, what was the last time I had? In the past month, I've had one night of alcohol. And it wasn't a whole night. It was like a couple margaritas. But besides that, I don't even touch this stuff. I still have a cabinet, a whole wine rack. It's probably like 20 bottles of booze on it. I haven't touched any of it there's only one bottle that's actually open so I don't touch I really don't touch this stuff because I know it's not good for me and I'm still in the summer months while I'm trying to take care of myself and stay under 180 pounds and I'm doing that I walk around between 175 and 177 and if I was to nail it down a little bit more I could definitely get under 175 easily for the last couple months that is my cycle off diet which basically I means I remove the vast majority of carbohydrates from my system in order to stay lean and flush out anything that could happen to be in my fat cells, anything that could be in my intestines, and basically just be this lean machine that just runs on supplements and protein and fat for the entire summer. And then, by like October, November, will I start to... Um, Will I start to cycle back onto the carbs so I can start building up that muscle mass again? Uh, that's and that seems to have worked for me. Um, my biggest my biggest enemy is sleep, of course. That's my biggest enemy. It's oh, it's just sleep, laying down, passing out. I just want to do that. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll get one of those little sleepy things that you put over your face and and you put it in your freezer and then it cl- and you put it over your eyes and it makes it nice and cool. I wonder if one of those things, those ways would help me out. Um, I you know I'm I'm fine with it. You know my little cat nap. I'm fine with it. Anyways, that was just an introduction um to this episode. So I want to go ahead and jump into something else. So um where are we at where are we at where are we at where are we at oh okay so i want to jump into something completely different switching from topics this is something that kind of ties into some of my worries and i'm starting to see like fiction become fact and obviously history is not repeating itself because this has never happened before but it's another situation where hollywood becomes reality in a way so As you know, drone technology since um, since the early 2000s was originally designed just for warfare, where basically uh, guys in you know freaking simulators in like California or wherever were basically flying these drones into war er uh, war areas, war zones, and they're launching missiles or taking photographs or whatever. And then in the, the late 2000, um, like 2010, 2012, you start seeing drones starting to hit the market a little bit, and then in 2014, 2015, the DGI Phantom 3 was introduced. DGI Phantom 3 was the first consumer drone that really actually was like, anybody could really fly it. And this was before any of the FIA regulations really started to come down. And at that point, you know something that was a generally a warm, just a war machine, became a consumer product. Now, at this point, all drones, whether they be commercial, industrial, uh, or commercial or uh, federal, were all flown entirely, you know, by human. Now, don't get me wrong, there's things like the Litchi app. The Litchi app was you could basically plot a course, and the drone, generally was a DJI Phantom, would fly that course just based on Google Maps, and now they have like things like proximity uh, uh, cameras, and so basically they can obstacle avoidance. They don't hit shit. They can just fly that map, fly that trajectory, and land somewhere. I believe that app is still available, too. And it'll avoid place things like you know no fly zones and stuff like that. And it will actually fly that trajectory and then land, as, depending upon how good the battery is. So it just f- flies on its own. Now that you're starting to see that in and this is what this article talks about, you're starting to see that in the government drones. So you've probably seen this thing before. This is the um, if you if you're into like this type of stuff, the uh, X58 the XQ-58A, which is uh, basically one of those, well, it doesn't look like the Predator drone. The Predator drone looks completely different. The Predator drone is actually flown with a prop. Um, This one is actually flown, it's a little different, but it's been commissioned by the U.S. Air Force as a prototype. And this one, apparently, and I'll I'll read you the full article, has been successfully flown by an AI pilot. So let's go ahead and scroll down and get you some information experimental xq-58a the valkyrie drone has officially been this this was like a micro machine back in the day that i played with as a kid uh, now it's real uh has been officially flown under artificial intelligence control the air force research laboratory (AFRL) announced conducted on july 25th at the eglin air or eglin, eglin or El, test facility i'm sorry i've never been there training complex in florida the test flight saw the drone entirely ai controlled for around three hours This test follows around two years of research and development between a partnership with Skyborg Vanguard, a team made up of personnel from the Air Force Research Laboratory, and the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center with the intent of creating unmanned fighter aircraft. AI loyal wingman. In case you were unaware, the Kratos XQ-58 Valkyrie is an unmanned combat aerial vehicle that Kratos Defense and Security Solutions are currently testing for the United States Air Force low-cost attributable strike demonstrator program. The Valkyrie was designed to be stealthy It was built as part of the USAF Research Laboratory's low-cost uh, attributable aircraft technology project portfolio. The sortie officially enables the ability to develop artificial intelligence and machine learning agents that will execute modern air-to-air and air-to-surface skills that are immediately transferable to the CCA program," said Colonel Tucker Hamilton. The chief of AI test and the operations with the Air Force, the CCA program, also known as a collaborative combat effort, aims to develop combat drones that can function alongside human piloted F twenty two and F thirty five aircraft, AKA Loyal Wingman. The Autonomous Aircraft Operations ACO team at the lab developed algorithms for the flight. They spent millions of hours perfecting these algorithms through simulations, sorties with the X-62 Vista experimental aircraft working with the XQ-58 Alpha, and conducting ground test operations. Uh-oh, my alarm's going off. Give me one second. My bad. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, they spent millions of hours perfecting these algorithms through simulations, sorties with the X-62 Vista experimental aircraft, and conducting ground test operations. Look at that freaking thing. Oh, my God. Quote, The mission proved out a multi-layer safety framework on an AIML-flown uncrewed aircraft and demonstrated an aiml Agent solving a tactically, tactically relevant challenge problem during airborne operations at colonel hamilton uh past flights had supported the air force's research into loyal wingmen these completed autonomous t- autonomous aircraft will fly with and support human pilots in the sixth gen combat aircraft during sorties ai will be cr- a critical element to future war fighting at the speed at which we're going to have to understand the operational picture, and make decisions. Brigadier General Scott Kane, the lab's commander, said in an announcement, AI Autonomous Operations and the Human Machine Team Learning to evolve at an unprecedented pace, and we need the coordinated efforts of our government, academia, and industry partners to keep pace. Vital for Department of Defense, AACO, has taken multiple-pronged approach to uncrewed flight testing of machine learning, artificial intelligence and met operational experimentation objectives by using a combination of high-performing computing, modeling and simulation and hardware-in-the-loop testing to train an AI agent to safely fly the xq 58 uncrewed aircraft. The Department of Defense explained is dedicated to the responsible use of AI. To achieve this, developers and users of the AI-enabled autonomy must collaborate with acquisition specialists. So, AI pilots, uh, artificial intelligence pilots, successfully flew using uh, algorithms uh, performed by the DO, uh, program by the Department of Defense. S- using, yeah, so algorithms desi- uh, built by the Department of Defense's contractors were successfully able to fly a high speed. Aircraft, experimental aircraft, without anybody in the cockpit, simply using programming. So operational te- uh, oper- operational tests, fully unmanned, but using uh, but in support of one human pilot or several human pilots. Now they can do this with human pilots, or they can do it alone. That's obviously what I'm getting from this article. So. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just if I mean I, I'm just saying from here. It looks like from this article they could easily do this without any humans up in the sky. Which is first of all the fact that we have planes up there um, completely unmanned is terrifying. It is a terrifying thought because this was something that bothered me a long time ago. From a little movie, you know, a little unknown movie, where exactly this article, exactly this article, um, was explained in a dramatic snippet.
1: I need to know how Skynet gets built. Who's responsible?
2: The man most directly responsible is Miles Bennett Dyson. He's the Director of Special Projects at Cyberden Systems Corporation. Why him? In a few months, he creates a revolutionary type of microprocessor.
1: Go on. Then what?
2: In three years, Cyberden will become the largest supplier of military computer systems. All stealth bombers are upgraded with Cyberden computers becoming fully unmanned. Afterwards, they fly with a perfect operational record. The Skynet funding bill is passed. The system goes online on August 4th, 1997. Human decisions are removed from strategic defense. Skynet begins to learn at a geometric rate. It becomes self-aware at 2.14 a.m. Eastern Time, August 29th. In a panic, they try to pull the plug.
1: Skynet
0: fights back.
2: Yes. It launches its missiles against the targets in Russia.
0: Why attack Russia? Aren't they offensive?
2: because Skynet knows that the Russian counterattack will eliminate its enemies over here.
0: Jesus. So, it says it right there. The human decisions were... So, they did tests. It flies with a perfect operational record. They put the algorithms in there. And then human decisions start being removed, and it be, starts to learn at a geometric rate. Now, the main the main thing is whether or not AI is capable of becoming self-aware. But here's the th- here's the the thing: if you start teaching the AI or this software to just run algorithms, these if-then scenarios, it doesn't have to become sentient it just has to make decisions just like any other scripted video game or scripted program it just you just once you hit the the command button once you hit run or enter it just runs that sequence and it just and whether it runs that sequence in a loop or it runs it to its ultimate conclusion and then shuts off it's still—it's just—it's a series of events. It's just a series of if-then scenarios. So if I take off at this speed, I go to this altitude. Um, if the cloud coverage is this, then I do that. If there's you know this many hostile threats, then I do this. If there's this many people in the sky, it's just a series of if-then scenarios. And when you start removing human decisions from each of those if-then scenarios, then and obviously there's machine learning involved in all of this. They talk about it right in the beginning of the article, where it's machine article, it's machine learning mixed with AI control. So it basically runs a program allowing this thing to fly on its own, support other aircraft on its own, whether it's manned or not, drop bombs on its own, fire missiles on its own, protect other planes on its own, take off on its own, land on its own vary from the mission on its own, make other decisions on its own, assess threat levels on its own. And then you the machine learning, it takes that information, and then they go, okay, here's the information that we learned from this flight. Here are the bugs we've picked out, according to us. We're going to take that information, put it back into the software, so it continues to learn, and it just becomes smoother and smoother and smoother. Oh, well, we don't have to worry about it, uh, you know, if it's in this scenario where it's not supposed to launch its missiles and instead it's going to use this or whatever, and it's like, okay, we'll just take that, put that chunk of software in there and go from there. And it's like, hold on a second here. This is what we're talking about. Removing human decisions from something. This is an airplane. Well, what if it's tied to other facets facets of, military, of the military? Whether, uh, you know, DEFCON level, Ballistic missiles, submarines. What if it just starts running uh, war game scenarios on its own? Do you see what I'm getting at here? This is, it's playing out just like the movie. It doesn't even have to be, oh, I know, like, the movie t- talks about it becomes self aware. It doesn't have to become self aware, it just has to be a program that hits, that's run. It doesn't have to have emotions or feelings. Skynet wasn't emotional. Skynet was just software. It was just a a computer program that just was running. And it was designed to do one thing, defeat the enemy and maintain its uh, air superiority, land superiority, sea superiority. It was was designed to do that. And it did that very well. But at the end of the day, it wasn't emotional. It wasn't boo-hoo-hoo. It was, I'm just, I'm a program. I, I run. I hit, You hit enter, blah, blah, blah. And then there were obviously like um, if you try to turn me off or if you try to shoot me down or if you try to do – it's just – I mean I'm just going to ex- – like if you're going to try to kill me, I'm going to execute uh, program three, section two of the self-defense clause, and that was it. That's all. It's, that's all it's going to be built to do is just – and if it's part of if it's machine learning as well or ai software where it just it continuously learns then it's going to learn how to do that better and it's only as good as its programmers so if there's flaws in the programming that like if a piece of software is here and a p- if a piece of code is here and a piece of code is here and these codes are generally supposed to be separated but for somehow in the, during, during during the machine programming it is able to look for the own bugs. And this is a macro thing. This is simple shit. A macro is put into the program where these two codes are supposed to be separate, but they end up linking because the program says, oh, there's an error here between these things. Maybe these should talk because if these two sections of code talk, I will run better. And it turns out that these two things, if they come together, um, it's like throwing... If It ends up becoming like... Oh, if these two things, this piece of code and this piece of code, start talking, it's catastrophic. Like throwing ice cubes in a -a friolator, it is the worst fucking thing that could possibly happen. Like the war game scenario and the Minuteman missiles all of a sudden connecting in such a way that was never meant to happen these now am I a, a proponent of drone whether I'm a, a proponent for drones drone use in warfare is irrelevant. I can tell you this much the idea back in 1992 that James Cameron laid out in the movie is so on point with what is displayed here. You understand this is an unmanned combat vehicle using artificial intelligent programming, and it's using taking that data that it ta- it's using taking that data that it had it collected during that flight to make its flight better, to make operations better. If that starts getting used in other forms of warfare, such as submarines, such as national defense, such as nuclear defense, this is what's This is exactly what's going to happen if you start removing human decisions from the whole network. It's exactly what's going to happen. And the results would be catastrophic. I understand running autonomous systems in order to make human life easier. But we have to understand, war should not be autonomous. There should be a mutually assured destruction level, a level of war where it's like, okay, if we go down this path, that's it. Like, especially after watching Oppenheimer, it's like, we developed the bomb, great, now everybody's got the bomb, Israel's got the bomb, Britain, Russia, China, Japan, India, North Korea, they all have the bomb, Iran, they all have it. We could all destroy each other in seconds but there are humans at the there are humans at the wheel so thankfully because humans at the wheel no matter how flawed those humans are whether they are those they're flawed humans in russia whether they're flawed humans in israel whether they are flawed humans in china whether they are flawed humans in the united states because there are flawed humans at the wheel we have the opportunity to reason with one another in order to not push the button. But if for any reason those humans are removed from the decision making, because the programming does not have emotions, because the because the computer is not sentient, it will not hesitate to execute sequence three and just hit the button. Oh, this is going on, and it'll happen within the split se- within a matter of seconds it'll be so quick you, you won't even you won't even know what happened this is my biggest concern with all of this is that this is the this is the path and where it starts it talks about it right and it's literally 2 minutes of here's what we we built these supercomputers we built the super processor we um we didn't even have to go into the future to get it we built it ourselves Stealth bombers becoming fully unmanned. There you go. You could have a squadron of XQ-58 Valkyries constantly doing loops around the United States. Great. Great. No human casualties lost. The idea that that human life can be lost is one of the reasons you don't go to war. Because something could actually be lost. If we're just flying drones all over the sky, trashing, blowing each other up, it's like that whole thing of life is sacred gets lost in the shuffle. Oh, 96 drones were shot down today. Whatever. There's something to be respected about the potential loss of life. And the United States, we take this for granted. We realize, it's like, you know, we're not warmongers over here. We're not. We're just... We're lied to on a daily basis by our own government. About, you know... The war in Yemen. The war in Israel. uh, The the war in Ukraine. You know, we're lied to on a daily basis. But this should not be happening. My personal opinion... On this autonomous fucking warfare... It shouldn't happen. We shouldn't be doing it. There has to be a... this isn't like China syndrome when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, nuclear meltdowns. This is this is an actual issue. Okay, I can tell you this much. This can be disastrous. You know, there there is no amount of failsafes. You put this type of power in the government's hands. Terminator 2, Judgment Day is going is going to come. It's going to come to fruition. It just won't be 1997 when it happens. Uh, we are closing up on this section of the podcast, so we'll go ahead and switch over to QA. Um if you want to support this podcast, go to Positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amounts appreciated. Um, you can also use the Weevil app. Sign up with the affiliate link in the description down below. You'll get free stocks at best by signing up. They got cash management now, so you can literally get five percent interest just by dumping money into your account. You'll get five percent interest on a federally backed savings account. How fucking awesome is that? You get free stocks. You can sell them, stick them in your cash management, and make 5% just by leaving your money in there. And it's federally backed. You win, all with the power of your phone or tablet or desktop or laptop. Anyways, moving on to Q&A. Let's go ahead and switch over to that. Let's, Let's answer some questions for the peoples out there. Hmm. there we go excuse me my neighbors my new neighbor started off our first interaction in june on a very rude note and now she's about to be part of the kids august camp carpool list i feel like i need an apology and an explanation before we drive each other's kids i haven't mentioned this to the other moms in the neighborhood but i will have to bring it up if i want to find someone to cover her spot. What happened? We have a friendly, loving, and high-energy golden retriever. He's just out of the puppy stage, so he's just as energetic, but doesn't know his own size. He's never hurt anyone. He's just very excitable. Okay. I was walking him through the neighborhood when he slipped off his leash and ran up to her, giving her face kisses and wanted to be petted. I assured her that she was friendly, but she replied, I'm not, and shoved him off of her hard at me and basically threw herself into her front door. We haven't spoken since, and I'm worried if she's like this with dogs, if she's like this with kids. Uh, I also would like an apology. How do I start this or at least get her out of the group when she has access to my kid if she's like this? Um, Okay. Look. I'll be perfectly honest with you here. I have a, a... Passionate love for dogs. Alright? And I, I mean, dogs get a shitty rap. Dogs get so mistreated. So many of them get so mistreated, abused, neglected, uh, un- poorly trained. And that's every breed. Okay? I know some breeds kind of suck, you know, but forget it. It's like you understand your dog, you love your dog. And golden retrievers, for the most part, are sweet dogs, super excitable, super happy. If one jumps up and licks you, um, if you are too aggressive with the dog and you shove it off, you have the potential to injure the dog. You have to understand that. That is somebody else's, sadly, say, property. Now, your dog did jump on them and it wasn't called for. But pushing a dog off like that, it's just a golden retriever. You should. The, the neighbor should apologize for essentially what you're saying, uh, shoved him off hard, and basically threw herself into her front door, I'm not sure what that means, but, um, and the equation of is she like that with kids, well, to set a good example, set a good example for kids is to how how well you treat animals. It's important to treat animals properly cuz especially with kids, you need to show kids that you don't treat animals like this. You don't treat animals poorly. It's it's a very big it's a very important thing in a child's life to see how you treat animals and how and teaching them how animals should be treated. Okay? Whether they're animals that end up on your dinner plate or end up in your end up on your couch. You have to understand they have to be Taught how to respect them. And if a child sees you just shoving some f- super excited dog off of you, it's like they learn very quickly to do the wrong thing. And I don't know if you should start off with an apology, but if you have an issue here, you should talk to the person and say, Hey, I- I'm sorry my dog jumped on you, um, but can we talk about what happened that day? And if they're and if she's like I'm not, and she's just a, a, a terrible person about it, it's like Alright, then go the next step, be like, listen, if if you're if you treat animals like that, I, I hate to see how you are with kids. Um And I understand dogs aren't for everyone. I understand cats aren't for everyone, but you know, this is your pride and joy, and something needs to be hashed out here. Okay. You love your dog. You protect your dog with your life. Um, and it was just an accident. And being neighbors means that you, being neighborly, you respect that she doesn't like dogs or is scared around dogs. And at the same time, she shouldn't be just like shoving your dog, as you put it. There needs to be uh, there needs to be a conversation had before this neighbor thing can be moving forward in the right direction, especially when kids are involved. Let's move on to the next one. A long while ago I was having a ketchup coffee with someone I knew back in high school. And she asked me why I used to pick on her. I used to tease her about a certain body part. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say it it didn't occur to me until she asked me that I'd been that I'd been a bully back then. Her bully, among several other glaring character flaws this points to. I can't remember how I exact how I responded. Maybe I actually said the words I'm sorry, but I don't feel like I truly apologize. Since that conversation I thought a lot about why why I was that asshole back then. And I've written out an apology. I wonder whether I should send it to her. Maybe sending it just causes her to re-experience the pain I caused her. Also, years have passed, not just since high school but since the conversation. Maybe my apology is a little too late. Plus, I'm a writer. I've been working on an essay for a publication that would include the apology. She may never see it but she might. She's a writer too and if she does quite possibly recognize and thinks about her. Um, Should you share it with her? Well, she brought it up. This person brought it up that you were her bully. Um, you should absolutely, if you have a heartfelt apology that you feel you owe her, then yeah, absolutely do it. I think that if you feel it and she brought it up, then bring it up to them. It, it, it might be the right thing to do. Or it might be something to do. So... I'm not against it at all. I think it might be a good idea. Especially since she brought it up. Let's move on to the next one. How do I tell my charming, funny adult son that the antidepressant he has recently started taking has flattened his personality? He says it's working for him. And maybe I'm being selfish, but I miss the quick wit, the razor-sharp people skills now being replaced by this very nice, still very intelligent, but basically neutral-toned young man. Um... Well, nah, fuck it. I don't, I don't like the idea of antidepressants. Um, I understand people may have a need for them or whatnot, but it's definitely suppressing something here. Um, if you have concerns, then definitely bring them up. You, that's, that's it. At least bring it up. Just, don't try to over Just over persuade. Just be like, listen, this does, this is something that actually does. Um, concern me and, uh, as long as you're doing good and, you know, you're not having any weird thoughts, okay, but I'm wondering what you're giving up in order to do this other thing. Are you, are you taking an antidepressant because you're not happy or what's the deal here? Why is this taking place? Are there other things that you can be doing? Um to better to make yourself feel better instead of taking an antidepressant and where'd you get the idea of taking an antidepressant you know what why does, is this why did you think this was the course of action that you should have taken have that conversation it all starts by talking all right let's do um let's do one more let's see do I want to do that one I have a family problem for which I would appreciate. Okay, I, My wife and I are Americans living in a small village in Italy, in an area popular with tourists. Recently I contacted my sister and her husband from the States and expressed our interest in having them visit us and stay at our house since we haven't seen them for many years. We are all retired, the, the they easily have the means to make the trip, and our house has plenty of room for visitors. Her reply caught me unprepared. She said that they weren't expected by their church since that they were expected by their church to do a mission outside the US and based on my invitation they were requesting Italy as an assignment. I'm a religious as is my wife. My sister and husband belong to one of those American evangelical religions that cropped up in the US in the 19th century. By contrast, the culture of our village and the surrounding towns are of course primarily catholic even though most of our neighbors seem to be secular. My problem is this. We are known in the area as the only Americans living here, where my sister and her husband have go go door-to-door or set up a display at the local piazza. Our neighbors would know we're the source of the strangers hassling them with unwelcome proselytizing. I can assure you they wouldn't appreciate it, uh, and neither would we. I can see three options. Asking, asking her not to proselytize on our visit, do nothing, and let things run their course and deal with the repercussions, or withdraw the invitation. None of those three options are particularly appealing. I'm writing to you to see if you could suggest a fourth. Um, okay, going here's the customs of another country should absolutely be honored. So if you are part of some Jehovah's Witness type uh, uh, rela- religion, that's fine. You do you. It's allowed in the United States uh, to practice your religion freely. Um, however, you're going to Italy. Italy is generally a very Catholic. Fuck, they got Vatican City for Christ's sakes. All right, Catholicism is a thing there, and you don't understand by walking up to their door, you you be you may be violating some customs that you're not ready for the repercussions of. So, a uh, uh, consequences of violating. Uh, my suggestion is, yeah, do this from your own. If you're gonna come here. Uh, respect the rules of the uh, of the land or go find another fucking place to live so that you can go proselytizing from there because i don't want the pitchforks at my house we're respecting the customs of this of this country and of this town and i strongly suggest you do the same otherwise a good alaka to you Somebody but it touch a Anyways, we are at forty five almost forty five minutes. We're gonna go ahead and close up shop. Thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. If you have questions, concerns, comments, email me directly through my website. Go to the contact page. Um, donations are accepted. Positive sarcasm.com slash donate. Any amounts appreciated. The Weeble app is also um, one way to uh, get yourself started off right and supporting this podcast and anything other things PS as well. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. But I would like to leave you With a little thing, since we were talking about AI and um, autonomous stuff, I'd like to leave you with a little thing from a Terminator movie that came shortly after the last one. And uh, I'll talk to you all next week, recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.
1: By the time Skynet became self-aware... It had spread into millions of computer servers across the planet. Ordinary computers in office buildings, dorm rooms, everywhere. It was software In cyberspace. There was no system core. It could not be shut down. The attack began at 6.18 p.m., just as he said it would, judgment day the day the human race was nearly destroyed by the weapons they built to protect themselves. I should have realized our destiny was never to stop Judgment Day. It was merely to survive it. Together. The Terminator knew. He tried to tell us. But I didn't want to hear it. Maybe the future has been written. I don't know. All I know is what the Terminator taught me. Never stop fighting. And I never will. The battle has just begun.